In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So this, this parable of the prodigal son, or the lost son, or the lost sons, or the good father, depending on however you want to, however you want to label it, however you've heard it, um, is, is, is one of, one of um, the passages that sort of really transformed my own, my own spiritual journey, at, at least as far as preaching, as far as um, understanding parables and, and the biblical text. And last time I think I preached on this sermon, it was a six-week series about this passage. So I'll try to wrap it up <laughs> in just one one thing. So bear with me. Um, so it'll be it'll probably be a little bit more like like teaching than it will be like a sermon. Other than I, I do, I will try to highlight um, a couple major major points that I think are are important for us. Um, so this is the third right, parable, we, even though we started at one where, where they're complaining about Jesus, Pharisees and scribes complaining that Jesus are eating with tax collectors and sinners, that is having a relationship, um, friendly relationship with tax collectors and sinners. And so Jesus tells them a series of parables. The first one's the, the parable of the lost sheep, right, where, where, where the shepherd goes out and finds the one that left the 99 and brings it back safe and sound, and there's a big party. And the second one's about a woman, because in Luke's Gospel, every time there's a man, there is a woman. Um, and so the next one's about a woman who um, loses a coin, and she searches diligently her house until she finds it. Um, and then she has a big party, because she found the coin. And then this one about about sons. And it's important, one of the important parts of this, this parable um, is if you look at it poetically and you put all the stanzas out and it sort of does line up and, and, and make a poetic structure, um, there's a verse missing. There's, it ends on a climax. And we'll see that with the older son. What are you going to do? And Jesus really then is saying to the, to the Pharisees, the scribes, what are you going to do? Um, so it begins though, with, with the younger son going to the father and saying, I want my inheritance now, which is like saying, I wish you were dead. Um, not a very nice thing, right? I can only imagine if my, how I'd feel if my kids came to me and said, I want my inheritance now. One, I'd be amused at what they thought they were getting <laughs> outside of a few bicycles and little odds and ends here and there, but... Okay, but I'd be deeply hurt, right? I mean, because they're, they're valuing um, stuff or their dreams, their passions, whatever it is, more than, more than their relationship with me. Um, and so already we see brokenness in the family, and we already see brokenness even, even with the older son, even though, even though we haven't met the older son yet, because he's silent. Because the role of the older son would be to go to the brother and say, what is your problem? Who do you think you are? You're humiliating our father, and you have no right to do such a thing, except he says nothing. And the father, because he represents God, allows the inheritance to be basically cashed in, and, and the younger son leaves. He goes off, and he, and he 
squanders his money in reckless living. We, we, have, we, we, we normally think that he's done all sorts of illegal, illicit type things, but the only reason we have that is from the voice of the older brother, who's not necessarily the best character witness of his younger brother. If you've ever had two sons or any children, um, when one is in trouble, the other might exaggerate slightly the other offenses. I don't know if you've ever experienced that or have done it. Um, but anyway, he, regardless, he loses everything. Whether it's because he is trying to show off, whether it's because of bad investments, he loses everything, and worse than that, a famine comes through. And famines in the Middle East, um, families just buckle down. They huddle up, they take care of each other, and if you're on the outside, you are on the outside. To the point where he finally got a job feeding pigs, sort of. But it's one of those jobs where you just say, you look at this poor little Jewish boy and you say, yeah, you want to feed my pigs? And he was willing to do it, thinking there's no way he was going to do it because pigs are unclean, so why would you feed pigs? And in that time, he began not only to be so hungry, he was so hungry that he wished he could eat the pods the pigs were eating. And in that moment, it says he came to himself and he said, how many of my father's servants have food enough? I know what I will do. I will say, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Make me one of your hired, I'm no longer ready to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. And oftentimes, this is, this is seen as the, the moment of, of repentance. Um, but it's not the moment of repentance. This is coming up with a plan, right? I know what I will do. I will get up and I will say, I have sinned against heaven before you. And you know who else said, I have sinned against heaven before you? Moses, or Pharaoh said that to Moses to get rid of one of the plagues. So already there's this, it's not necessarily, a, it's a, it, it sounds nice. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants so I can pay back everything I owe and I can make it right. Still not really understanding that it's not the money, it's the relationship. But as he goes home, his father sees him a long way off, which means he's looking. And I don't know about you, but if it was me, I'd let him keep coming. <laughs> And I'd let him grovel for a little bit. And I'd let him sit there and stew, and I'd be, give a nice stern talk and lecture, and all will rest. Not this father, who gets up, and he runs. And he runs, and in running, um, he, he runs for the primary reason of, of protection, too. Because it's one thing, you remember, remember the story of Jacob. In a lot of ways, this is the story of Jacob and Esau told over again, but that's a whole other sermon for a whole other day. But, but remember Jacob, when he came back to, to see Esau, kept sending herds and flocks and gifts ahead to make sure that all was right. It's okay to come back if you come back having made it. If you come back broke, be careful. 
because the kids are going to taunt you and the town people are going to taunt you because the whole community knows what you've done and now when you've come back like this, it's humiliation galore. Except the father runs to his son. And in running, which Middle Eastern patriarchs don't do, running means you have to hike up your robes. And hiking up your robes, you bare your legs. And that is shame. And the father is willing to shame himself before the community to go to his son. And when his son sees this, he says, Father, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I've sinned against heaven and against you. And he skips the higher hand part. And that is repentance. That's the time. And the father says, here you go. Bring, bring the robe for my son. Put sandals on his feet. Put the ring on his finger. Kill the fatted calf. We need to celebrate. And here we have sort of a continuation of, of what repentance is from, from these, other, these other passages of, of the lost sheep. Where what does the sheep do? Nothing, right? Except allow itself to get picked up. I mean, it wandered off, sat down, was crying. The shepherd goes, finds it, picks it up, brings it back. What is the coin? Definitely doesn't do anything. The coin is not active in its um, rescue. The theme for that is allowing yourself to be found by God. And, and here, again, repentance is really just allowing yourself to be found by God which is not anywhere near what we usually talk about when we talk about repentance. Especially in Lent, where we talk about all these great and wonderful things that we should be doing for Lent and penance and giving up various things and doing good works and all the rest of it. But in reality, it's only allowing ourselves to be found by God, turning away from the path that we've gone on and coming back to God's presence. The son realizes in this moment it's not the money, it's the relationship that is broken. And we can stop there, and lots of times I would, but we have an older son to deal with, and so we'll deal with him sort of briefly, but not. Right? That, that in the midst of the party, and there's lots of going on, the older son comes up and says, what's going on, and finds out from the slave, the servant, that... Um, your father has, has gotten his son back, safe and sound, so there's a party. He killed the fat calf, and he's overjoyed. Oh, no, he's not overjoyed at all. He's ticked, right? He's, he's ticked and made. And, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of, you understand a little bit at this, right? Uh, if you're, if you're, especially if you're misunderstanding. But, but he's, he's mad. At this, this brother's back, and, and there's a big party happening, and he refuses to go in. And for a lot of us in, in our Western society, we might think this is sort of okay, um, but this is actually worse than what the younger son did, because what the younger son did was in private, 
what the older son is doing is in public. And he's humiliating his father in front of the whole town, who of course are there because he killed a fatted calf and there's no refrigerators and there's no freezers, so it's gotta be eaten tonight or the next little bit, right? It's gotta go. And when the father goes out to plead with him, you could just hear the music stop. You've seen it in abundance of movies, right? Where a glass will break or something. It's like E.F. Hutton, right? That's own commercials. It's, you want to know what's going to happen. And the father, the right thing for the father, the right thing for the father to do, just like making the other son grovel, the right thing for the father to do was to get his servants to go and bind his older son, drag him into his room, and uh, keep him there until he comes to his senses. That's sort of the right thing to do. Instead, he goes out and he pleads with him in front of everybody, which is along the same sort of shame as running. And he says, everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. Because you, I've, you've never given me anything. You've never given me so much as a goat for my friends. You've treated me like a slave. And so then all of a sudden, here we are, right in the same place where we see there's a relationship broken here. You don't see yourself as a son. You don't see yourself as the inheritor of the father's kingdom, father's wealth. You see yourself as just a slave. Working not for yourself, because basically who's going to get everything when the father dies? It's all his. The relationship is broken. But when this son of yours comes home for him, you killed a fatted calf. And this is sort of the second really important thing that we need to look at, which is, again, if we look at those other parables, we see that there, when the shepherd finds the sheep and brings it home, there's a party for the shepherd, not for the sheep. When the woman finds the coin, she throws a party for the woman, not for the coin. When the father finds a son and kills the fatted calf, there's a party. Not for the son, but for the father. The father is rejoicing in finding his son who's lost, which is what the father says. Everything is yours. But your brother has come home. Not my son, your brother has come home and we had to celebrate. He was dead and now is here. And it ends. And so Jesus is sort of an ending to the Pharisees and the scribes. These sinners, tax collectors, these, your brothers, were dead. But now they're alive. Are you going to come in and join the celebration? Are you going to recognize that relationship with God is more important than all of the various things of keeping the law and all the little tidbits that you're doing, that you think that you're working like a slave for God? Are you going to come in and join the party, or are you not? And really, the reality is, of course, there are people like Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea and others who are sort of in that, that 
Pharisee thing that sort of did accept that invitation and come, but we know how the story ends. In many ways, the story ends by the older son picking up a stick and clubbing his father to death right there on that porch as Jesus was nailed to the cross. But for us, this story is, is, is truly often called sort of the mini gospel because in it has all the characters.